I'm Lisa Stone, and you are listening to Season 8 of Parenting Aces. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 6 of the Parenting Aces Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and I'm so excited to have you all back this week. It is Valentine's week, so I hope that you're going to get to have a little romance in your life this week, whatever that looks like for you. I am actually headed out of town to go visit my son out in California, so I'm looking forward to spending some time with him and uh, my husband's coming too, so that'll be really nice. Also, I wanted to just mention that you may have seen on social media that I got a little recognition from USTA Georgia last weekend, and I wanted to just thank them for recognizing Parenting Aces with their media award. It was um, a really nice honor, and my parents came in town for the ceremony for the award banquet, and my husband was able to be there as well. So thank you to USTA Georgia for that. And for those of you who have sent me notes of congratulations, I really appreciate it. So thank you. This week's Parenting Aces podcast is going to be something a little bit different. I am chatting actually with three guests, Jeff Barrett, Tim Donovan, and David Benzel. And the three of them are working together with a new company called Cross Court Consulting based in the New England area. And these guys are working with tennis families to help the navigation process. I mean, they're they're doing some of the things that we're doing here at Parenting Aces, but they're definitely taking it a giant step further. And so I'm really excited for y'all to get to hear from these three gentlemen about the work they're doing with tennis families, not just in the New England area, but across the U.S., working with families and working with junior coaches. And kind of as a bonus, they have generously offered a 10% discount to Parenting Aces families on any of their consulting packages. And that discount is in effect if you purchase a package through them anytime between now and May 12th of 2019. And you can find their website and the link in the show notes. So be sure and check that out. And also, they are doing a drawing for their gold plan consulting package, and that is available to someone in the Parenting Aces community. And again, the link is in the show notes on parentingaces.com to enter that drawing, and the entry deadline is also May 12th of 2019. So be sure to check that out and enter to win, but also if you're anxious to get started with them sooner than that, please um, take a look at the link in the show notes and make sure that you take advantage of the 10% discount that they're offering. I also want to just take a moment to mention that we are donor supported here at Parenting Aces. So if you find our content helpful or useful and would like to make a donation, there is a link on each page at parentingaces.com on the right side to make a donation through PayPal. And it doesn't matter the size. We appreciate every donation that you make. So thank you in advance for that. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with the gentleman behind Cross Court Consulting. Jeff, David, and Tim, thank you so much for joining us on the Parenting Aces podcast. 
Thanks for having us. Thanks. Yeah, pleased to be here. Well, I'm looking forward to another great conversation. David and Tim, you guys have done this before. Jeff, it is a pleasure to meet you. And we're going to start this conversation by letting Jeff Barrup give us a little bit of his tennis story. Hi. Well, thanks, Lisa. I appreciate that. Um, well, my background, uh, I've been in tennis my whole life. Um, most recently, though, I think uh, where I spent most of my time is uh, I started the New England Academy of Tennis 21 years ago uh, up here in the Boston area. Uh, in around the New England Academy of Tennis, I've uh, participated as a uh, uh, faculty coach for the USTA player development, a high performance coach. Um, our academy has worked with players from, gosh, you know, the national level and the national champions on down to, um, you know, when we went to the red, orange, green, started to incorporate them into the program. So my background is pretty comprehensive uh, as a coach and uh, involvement in, in all aspects of, uh, of junior development in the sport. And uh, that's where I met these guys, uh, Tim and, and Dave, and um, we seem to have a common mission here. So, uh, we, over the past 10 years or so, have uh, formulated a friendship and, and some common goals and, and see some issues that we all felt that were important to address. And so we formulated this new company called Cross Court Consulting, which uh, will be dealing with families and parents and players. And some of the issues that we see are um, you know, kind of inherent to the system and things that have yet to uh, been addressed that we feel that we can do something about and, and have a positive impact on the sport. So in a nutshell, that's it. Great. David Benzel of Growing Champions for Life, give us a little bit of your tennis background. Well, my background actually came out of a different sport, which was competitive water ski. Um, Having grown up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, I realized that wasn't a good place to be a water skier. So I moved to Florida and <laughs> made a career out of uh, out of my water skiing. And I competed competed at the elite level, and then had a chance to be an elite level coach. Uh, coached one year of the U.S. water ski team to the world championship, but I had my own training center in Florida, also. Uh, but all of that I have now learned was just a preamble to my biggest assignment because when I had two children, uh, even though I'd been an elite-level athlete and elite-level coach, I thought the parenting thing would be easy, and it was quite the opposite. It was the toughest challenge to, to be a, a good parent. You know, Is there anything we, we do in life where we have to wait so long before we get our report card as, as in parenting? And as both my kids were athletic, I, I struggled to figure out how to play that role effectively. And I was the one that had to change the most and uh, and grow and become more mature, and I, I think I did. But as my kids grew out of sports, I realized that there were a lot of parents that were just like me, um, using trial and error as uh, our, our method of dealing with our kids, which is, you know, the most ineffective method with your most pre precious possession is trial and error. So we formed Growing Champions for Life as uh, an organization designed to help parents uh, and coaches, for, for that matter, the adults in the sport equation, to help the adults play their role more effectively. And so for the last 10 years, 
uh, I've kind of been dedicated to improving the experience of sports for kids by um, educating um, parents and coaches about what I have learned from playing each of those roles, athlete, coach, and parent. And I've had the opportunity to work with not only tennis parents, but also uh, I work with USA Swimming, USA Gymnastics. I've done some work with U.S. Figure Skating, a lot of work in soccer, and I found that all the challenges are the same. It doesn't matter what sport it is. Uh, yeah. Tennis parents, soccer parents, gymnastics parents, cheer parents, we're all neurotic, crazy people trying to do what's best for our children and making lots of mistakes along the way, typically. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we have good intentions. We just don't know what we don't know. And exactly. so we, we want, uh, you know, I want to help people just learn better strategies and, and more positive ways to create the most positive learning environment possible for our kids. Fantastic. Tim, let's switch over to you, Tim Donovan, who many of my listeners will know from his showcases. Tim, tell us a little bit about your background in tennis. Sure. I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I started playing when I was about nine and played my junior tennis um, in Pennsylvania in the middle state section. I went on to play collegiately at Brown University and uh, graduated there uh, in 1989, uh, having twice been the Ivy League Player of the Year. Uh, I went on and tried uh, sorry, professional tennis for four years and had a great experience doing that and got to just outside the top 300 in the world in singles. Um, at that level, you're not making a great living, so it was time to uh, to get to work at that point. Um, so after uh, competing on the circuit until 93, uh, I went to work for the USTA New England um, as the director of player development and junior competition. Uh, and it was in my four years there uh, where I saw a few things. And, and one is just, you know, being the, the staffer and having to deal with so many families and so many parents and so many players. Um, I, I just didn't have the, the time and the capacity to, to really dig in and help individual players and families to the extent that, you know, they, they really needed it. Um, so, you know, that's when I got the idea to start Donovan Tennis Strategies. And at the outset, it was really two distinct things that, you know, we were doing. And one was this idea of developmental planning, uh, of trying to have, you know, somebody that could pull together uh, all of the, 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 the family's tennis plans um, and really planning for the development of the uh, of the player and not having it be so haphazard and, and, well, I'll take a lesson here and I'll do a clinic here and maybe I'll play some tournaments, but without a lot of real, you know, cohesiveness about what's, what's happening and really goals. The other thing uh, that we did at that point um, was college recruitment consulting. So in my role with the USTA, when families, um, or parents of players that got to, you know, uh, juniors in high school, sophomores in high school, they often had questions about, well, hey, my son or daughter's pretty good and wants to play at the collegiate level. H how do we go about this? H how do we find the right schools to, to do it? I had such a, uh, a great uh, collegiate experience and really loved college tennis. It was really the 
um, the most rewarding uh, time in my tennis career. Uh, and I knew a lot of the coaches and knew about the process. So I started advising families uh, on the college recruiting process. Uh, after about a year, um, it became pretty apparent, um, and there was demand in both areas, but uh, it, it became apparent that the, the college recruitment consulting was really going to take off. Um, and so we focused our efforts uh, in that area. Uh, but in the last 21 years of doing this, it's always sort of been in the back of my mind that this um, developmental planning was really important. Um, and it just so happened with uh, Jeff transitioning out of the New England Academy of Tennis um, and having some time and really uh, a ton of expertise in this area, uh, we decided that we were going to join forces and start cross-court consulting. Great. And what is cross-court consulting? What is, what is it that you guys are doing? Uh, Jeff, why don't, why don't you handle that? Sure. Well, it, it does a couple of things, uh, Lisa, in, if you think of it on kind of a two different levels here. First, a primary job is to uh, provide or to help a family kind of maximize their child's tennis experience. So, you know, what does that really mean? The first thing that we do when somebody hires us is um, we, we do a, an interview with them, kind of a, a fact-finding mission, if you will. And, uh, uh, from there, we once we have an agreement with them to, to work together, they um, fill out some information. Or the coach fills out information. The parents fills out the information. The child fills out information where we... Uh, make sure that everybody, you know, what the friction points might be or if everybody's in alignment and so on. And then we begin to put together a plan to address um, the pathway for the athlete, the, the player, to navigate the junior tennis system. And that can mean a lot of different things. What we've found is... Um, <laughs> with the introduction of the red, orange, and green, that this space has become a space of, um, there's a lot of benefits to it, but we've also have found that there's a lot of misinformation and lack of understanding of how to get going in the sport and what's appropriate. You know, how much tennis should I play? What's the role of the parent in this thing? And it's really kind of interesting because we've seen all these different trends kind of emerge from this age group, if you will, kind of the seven to 10, that, you know, there's information out there, but nobody's really kind of taken that, you know, bull by the horns here and said, hey, we need to organize this for families and parents. You know, we found if you go to a 10 and under tournament, we were seeing things that were happening that um, for probably lack of education uh, were happening. And we felt that, you know what, we, we need to do something about this. And that is kind of where this whole thing, you know, got started. Now we work all the way up, you know, the kids 12, 13, 14, and they have different set of issues and, and the parents may have different concerns and so on. But we're finding that if we can address these, these younger families earlier and give them a proper perspective and the proper path to navigate that, that experience for the child is way better and hopefully staying in the sport longer. So that's, yeah, that's kind of fantastic. where we started with the whole thing. That's and, great. And Lisa, yeah, we, yeah. And this, is, this is Tim. Um, we, we deal with uh, families of, uh, who have players of, of really different levels. Some of them may just be starting out. 
Some of them might want to take it to the next level of, hey, I'm playing locally or within my section, and now I want to play at a national level, and, and what's the best approach to that? Or, you know, even at the very highest level where they're, you know, doing well nationally and, and you know, want to go to even the next level and start playing ITF events or start considering issues of, hey, can, can I achieve my goals, you know, staying in my uh, normal school situation, or do I, you know, need to consider online schooling? So it really runs the, the gamut of, of levels of, of players and, and even, you know, the ages of the junior players as well. You know, something that, that I find very interesting listening to y'all talk about this is, of course, this is something I've been asking USTA for since my child started a million years ago, and the information just is not there for parents just starting out in the sport. I find it very interesting that USTA provides this information at their high performance camps and, you know, at the national tournaments, but it's not at the introductory level tournaments, which is like you said, Jeff, this is where the parents need the information is when they're just getting started. Um, David, I want to ask you, because you're working with these guys as well, what is your role in cross-court consulting, and how do you see that role evolving? Well, I, I think the, the needs of families and parents fall into a couple different buckets. You know, sometimes it's about nutrition. And so, you know, there's someone on the team who has that expertise. And sometimes it's, uh, you know, maybe specific mental toughness issues and someone uh, is equipped to help with that. But if it has to do with family dynamics and the relationship building between a parent and a child and a parent's parent's behavior toward their child, like the kind of pressure they may be putting on the child, that's where my expertise comes in. Uh, and, And I refer to my role as a sport family coach. And the sport family coach uh, looks at the, the family dynamics and helps the parent, for instance, get a new paradigm on what their role is. Parents have a real responsibility to speak to a child about their character issues and following the family core values. Where we find parents having the big, biggest difficulty is that they then also think that they need to be the coach of their child and to apply pressure for performance issues. And I make a clear distinction between performance issues and behavior issues. And I think the performance issues are between the athlete and the coach, and parents need to be very supportive, but almost learn to practice the art of non-interference. And that isn't that doesn't come naturally for us as parents. We we like to interfere, and and we we have our own egos involved sometimes, and and so I try to help parents see through my own experiences and my own uh, frailties how that backfires, and how parents, without realizing it, undermine the very self confidence that a child might naturally have because we're too judgmental, we're too critical, we're too analytical. And uh, my my work in various sports has um, shown me that parents actually need to hear this message and they don't mind hearing it. They, they actually are relieved to learn that they don't have to take responsibility for their child's forehand and backhand. Yeah, I yeah, that's, that's great. Um, and, and I want to ask Lisa, how... Can I, oh, sure. 
Can I add something to that? Sure. So you asked, you know, David's role within Cross Court Consulting. There, there's a couple things in I like you have um, concerns about, you know, the USTA and in uh, administering information and so on. What you'll find that's interesting. I think we have uh, created a partnership actually with the USTA New England. So Cross Court Consulting and the USTA New England are going to be working together to go out in the field to tournaments and at our sectional event, for example, and David will be presenting and be part of this process of presenting to these larger audiences. Um, so David's going to play that role for the company, uh, for us, as well as within our packages that we offer our clientele. There are certain packages where they the client would have access to our entire performance team. And we have what we call a performance team. We have David, we have a analytics coach, we have uh, a nutritionist from the Boston Bruins, we have a sports psychologist and so on. So we have this entire performance team. So, you know, listen, being in this sport our whole lives, we all know that we can't do everything and it's become, you know, so specialized in areas that we felt you know what, let's do what we do best for the client, but let's also have these great resources such as David that we can turn our clients on to and expose the overall tennis community to. So we intend to use our performance team and people like David on, on kind of this, this global level as well as this, this smaller micro level with the one-on-one -on -one, uh, aspect of our service. So, um, he, like all of our other performance coaches on our team, you know, play this unique role. And we also found that listen, a lot of families don't have access or know where to find these resources, nor do a lot of coaches can afford to have all these type of people on staff. Well, our service presides, provides access to all of these people and really kind of extends the runway for the coach and, and, and for the player to, to have a much greater success in navigating this, you know, long journey of uh, junior development. Yeah, that's great. Tim, I wanted to ask you because, um, you know, you and I know each other through the college recruiting stuff and your work, you know, around that. But I didn't realize that, that your career was as expansive as it is. So congrats to you on that. <laughs> but, um, see, I learn new things about people all the time, Thank but you. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, how are junior coaches receiving the information that you guys are offering? Because in my experience, there are some coaches out there that are hungry for information and hungry to provide everything they can to their players and the player's family. But there are also those coaches out there who are very proprietary with their, their players. Uh, right. So, um, we all know, um, and it's not through any fault of their, their own, that m many of the junior coaches simply are on the court a ton. A ton excuse me. So um, to have um, an organization like ours to work in partnership with them, I mean, this is, this is a team approach, and we, we know and they know that they often don't have uh, the amount of extra hours to sit down and do these things off the court that we really think are important to, you know, help kids on the court, help their, their performance. 
Um, so, so far, the, the reaction has been quite positive. And, you know, Jeff and I have been around uh, a while, and I think, you know, the community in New England and even beyond, uh, you know, knows us and knows our goals and, and knows what we're trying to do. So we're, we're not trying to uh, uh, coach players. We're not trying to take players away from any coaches. We're simply trying to, to have, you know, players uh, or provide an opportunity for them and their parents to, to, to really have a, you know, a healthy relationship and really enjoy the sport and really enjoy competing. And the coaches are a really important part of this, but we're really just trying to supplement um, what they're doing on the court and really what they you know, don't often have the time to do um, off the court just because of their responsibilities on the court. One of the questions that I get, or one of the complaints maybe is a better (laughs) term for it, uh, that I get quite often is how expensive tennis has become and how with the current college landscape and, you know, how few scholarships there are available and how they're divvied up, that it just isn't worth it anymore to spend all this money helping your child become a good tennis player with the idea that they're going to go to college because you could have paid for college three times by the time you get through junior, you know, the junior process. How do y'all kind of answer that? And, you know, what would you say to parents who come to you and say, wait, I'm, I'm already spending so much stinking money on my kid's coach and their fitness trainer and travel. Why should I spend even more money on what you're offering? Yeah, I think, Tim, why don't you take that one? I think you articulate this well. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, my, my feeling is, I mean, there, there's many different approaches to uh, junior tennis, and then also what we see at Donovan Tennis is many different levels of, of college tennis. So you have uh, the very top end where, you know, players are, are having and families are having to make you know, a real investment of not just training, but travel to tournaments. And, and that can be pretty extensive. Uh, but we don't want to lose sight of the fact that, you know, there are kids that, you know, it really enjoy the sport um, that may go on and play college tennis at, you know, uh, a modest um, level, tennis level, Division three school, and really, you know, get great enjoyment out of the sport um, have a great experience in college, um, and get a great education. Uh, so w- we feel like there's many approaches. And one of the things, uh, too, is, you know, we- we're always trying to uh, stress the importance of, you know, kids taking ownership of the process. And I've always, from the time I've been growing up, uh, have been a huge proponent of, you know, kids just sort of getting together and, and playing. And it doesn't have to be, hey, I'm doing four clinics a week at, at great expense. I'm doing two lessons a week at great expense. And we're always trying to, you know, help kids develop the tools to maybe say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm now, you know, 13 years old. Let me pick up the phone and, and call my friend and we'll go over after school and we'll, you know, we'll practice for a few hours and it's not going to cost us anything. And uh, so, you know, you, you make a good point. It is expensive, especially in colder climates like here in, in the Boston area where just, you know, court time simply is, is very expensive. But, uh, you know, we just think the, the rewards are so great uh, of the sport and playing and competing and, and perhaps having tennis, um, you know, provide an opportunity for a college scholarship uh, or in some cases just 
uh, an entry into a fantastic school where, you know, perhaps they would not have had an opportunity to go if it hadn't been for their tennis. So, so we think that, you know, obviously there are some costs, but, you know, the rewards are, are really great. Yeah. David, what are some of the biggest issues, other than the ones you mentioned in your introduction, that you're seeing with parents that are interfering with their child's ability to reach their highest level? And how are you planning to work through cross-court consulting to help address those? Mm-hmm. Well, I am always convinced that parents love their children very much. But in the absence of good information, we make stuff up. And so getting information into the hands of parents about what works and what doesn't work. Um, you know, what is it that applies pressure to a child? We forget what it was like to be a child, don't we? We forget the fact that our greatest fear is disappointing mom and dad. And sometimes a coach working with the family uh, is perceived as having an agenda. You know, they're there to coach the kid and make him great. But when I step in front of parents, I don't have any agenda. I don't represent, you know, the particular a program that they're part of or anything else. I'm a neutral person coming in and saying, we've seen this now across multiple sports, across multiple demographics. It doesn't matter what socioeconomic area you come from, what ethnic background you come from. Kids' greatest fear is disappointing mom and dad. So mom and dad have to learn how to play their role in a way that says, there's unconditional love here for you no matter how you play the game. But I will hold you accountable for your behavior and how you treat others and the respect you show for yourself, your equipment, and even your opponent. So the goal here is to help parents understand their larger assignment, which is to raise um, young men and young women, eventually to be men and women, um, who can lead independent lives, who can maintain loving relationships, and who are darn good at something you know, whether it's tennis or something else, and to help parents see the bigger picture of their assignment and not get caught up in, uh, you know, how many unforced errors do we have in today's match? So it's it's a paradigm shift for most parents because I remember, you know, my, my son played baseball from age four to age 24 in one year as a professional. And I remember in the early years how, you know, every at-bat, I was at on pins and needles, you know, you know, is he going to get a hit? Is he going to drive in the run? And I had to learn how to back away from that level of emotional involvement and learn to go and enjoy the experience of watching my child compete and be able to convey to him, I just love watching you play. Well, that's a paradigm shift because most of us as parents, that's, that's our little kid out there, which is a representative of us and we get our egos in the way. So I see my assignment as purely educational and, and somewhat inspirational as how we as parents can play our role in the most positive way and create the most positive learning environment. It's all education. We have parents are the most undercoached group in sports. Uh, for sure. For sure. Uh, Lisa, this is Tim. Um, one thing I didn't mention is I also happen to have uh, two boys, uh, two sons, 11 and 8, and they play different sports, but they're both now competing in tennis. And, you know, if there's anybody that should know this stuff that David's talking about, 
uh, it's me having, you know, played at a, at a pretty high level and worked for the USTA and been the one in that role of trying to get parents to, um, you know, really behave the right way and, and to put things into perspective and, and, and do the things that will allow their kid to, you know, really continue to enjoy the sport and, and succeed at it. Uh, but then when it's your own kids, you, you know, sometimes it's uh, a little harder than you think. So, you know, being somebody, you know, who can be pretty uh, uh, intense uh, uh, about things, you know, I find myself thinking, wow, it's, it's, these are my own kids. This is, uh, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. So, uh, so it's, not, it's not easy. Um, and, you know, we all understand that. And uh, it's not easy being a parent and a sport parent. And, uh, uh, but we, we feel like trying to, to bring uh, all this stuff together, um, you know, is a way for, for kids and, and parents to really just continue to get great enjoyment out of the sport and, and, and achieve some things and just feel really good about themselves. Yeah, it's great. David, how does what you talk about differ, if it does differ, maybe it doesn't, um, when you're addressing an audience at a, a 10 and under event, you know, entry level 10 and under event versus a level one sectional event? Um, I haven't found that the age of the athlete is a major factor in parent behavior, except for the fact that as parents um, have older kids, if they've had younger kids and, and older, they seem to be wiser with their younger ones than they were with their firstborn. So if I'm talking to the parents of older kids and I say, how many of you, you know, have kids at, you know, multiple different levels, they are a little bit wiser about this because they realize that they've made some mistakes with their first child and they're learning to back off with their younger ones. So then there's other issues, uh, you know. So you, you've learned not to apply so much pressure. But now how do you um, how do you still show that you're just as committed, just as supportive, even though you're not the one uh, bringing up, uh, you know, issues at the dinner table every night like you were with your older one? You know, can you still convince your kid that you are, you are responsive to their emotional needs but not interfering with their tennis needs? The whole thing about allowing the child to take responsibility. Yeah, maybe the short answer to your question is there's not a whole lot of difference. It's it's more to customize the answer for each family because different parents mature at different rates. Got it. You know, one of the most enjoyable conversations for me to overhear is when my own children compare their childhood experiences with us as their parents. <laughs> And, oh. yeah, I have three kids and, and my youngest was the only one that was highly competitive in athletics. And it, it's just so funny to hear them talk about, well, you're lucky because mom only did this for me. And, you know, oh, my gosh, mm -hmm. you're lucky because she didn't do that for you. And, you know. yeah. Yeah. Well, um, and Lisa, what, one of the things that I'm you know really aware of is that parents are hearing different strategies used by different parents and they're drawing conclusions from the results they see. They'll see a parent putting a lot of pressure on another kid and they start to think, you know, maybe I should, I, I should be pushing a little more because that kid's playing pretty good. And right. what they don't realize is, is, is that child playing better because of their parents' pressure or in spite of their parents' pressure? 
Mm-hmm. And and they must be careful about the conclusions they draw because, um, you know, right now the quarterback for, you know, Alabama says he was raised with the Bible and the belt. And he's very successful. In other words, his dad used a belt on him when he threw interceptions. I don't want other parents to draw the conclusion that they ought to be doing that. Right, right. I'm going to shift gears a minute and, Jeff, throw the conversation back your way. One of the things that y'all offer is consulting around which tournaments to play and, you know, how to kind of navigate this whole junior competition environment, whether it's USTA events, whether it's international events through the ITF. And I'm curious how you work with families and with individual coaches around that aspect of what cross court consulting has to offer. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Well, you know, once we begin the process, uh, after we meet with the family, the first person we reach out to is the player's coach and, uh, you know, have a a long and in-depth conversation about, you know, the goals for this child and uh, do they have a developmental plan? Do they have something set in stone that this this child and this family is following? And oftentimes they do in a vague way. Um, in, in in coaches, I think that may be a little bit more experienced, you know, understand the value of, of having a plan like this and in setting these goals. Um, but if it's if it's not clear, one of the things that we we try and do early on in the process is you know, kind of define this coaching triangle, if you will, um, where, you know, what is, you know, the role of this parent, what's the role of the player and what's the role of the coach. And, and within that process and within our discovery process, begin to, you know, define these goals, you know, without a plan, uh, we're kind of wandering aimlessly here. So when we talk about developmental plan, it can include a, a lot of different things. But I think the first thing that it does is help identify the goals. And this is where we look for friction points and, you know, does the player want one thing and the coach wants another thing or, or so on. And, and again, you know, that will help us navigate it. But, you know, by identifying goals, Lisa, then we can establish a path or plan. And, we're not here to tell the coach or the player or anything else what's the right, you know, path to go down as much as try and match their interests, their goals, their resources, if you will, which are an important part of this, to, you know, what what could we create that would maximize the enjoyment and the experience? So, you know, through this discovery process, it also gives all of us a perspective, right? The coach, a true perspective and the family, the player, and so on. And, and of course, Tim and I in meeting with the family. Um, and I think the other thing that, you know, this process does is as we go through it for the coach and the player, it kind of establishes a certain sense of professionalism. And I don't mean that in, you know, professional, that we're going to be a professional tennis player, but that we're going to approach this with a keen eye of what's best for everybody. So, you know, whether we're talking to a parent who's got an eight-year-old just going into the orange ball process or or system, I mean, um, we're talking to somebody who's, you know, a seasoned player and 12 and 13 and is looking to, you know, compete on the national level um, through this discovery process, we, we really try and define, you know, what those goals are and, and do they have the proper plan in place. And again, we're not there to 
coach the player or to, or to tell the coach, you know, to do it this way or that way, but to really kind of get everybody on the same page, speaking the same language, knowing the same direction, setting appropriate goals, coming up. And we write the developmental plan, Lisa. So, for example, when we're hired by a client, we will write that plan. However, we give it to the coach as well and ask feedback from them in particular areas. And we actually share it with the coach before we go back to the family and say, based on our conversation with coach and all of our history and all the resources that, that we have available to us, that this is how we think, you know, we best, you best would benefit from this junior experience over the next year or so in longer term and, uh, and work with that. And, and, and that can go as far, Lisa, as even having periodization plans, working with the coaches and saying, listen, he's not going to play any tournaments for the next, you know, 30 days or 60 days. And, and he's going to work on this parts of his game that the coach identified and, and get the parents to understand, Hey, it's okay to take a break. We don't need to be playing tournaments, you know, 12 months a year. This is a, a long-term development process. And, you know, we, we've, we've kind of found some of this is almost counterculture to today's youth, which is everything is so instant, right? They can find the answers on the phone. They can, you know, they test you right away on everything. And in tennis is a long-term developmental process. So when you have new parents into the sport, getting them to understand that and to see the differences between, you know, maybe how the kids are today, as opposed to just 10 years ago, um, really is enlightening and helps take a lot of that stress and pressure off everybody and get everybody on a, a healthier, uh, more aware pathway, if you will. I think one of the toughest things about junior comp, at least in the U.S., is it's so confusing. You know, if you are looking to play a USTA junior competition schedule, how do you know where to start? What if your family moves in the middle of the year to a state that's in a different section? How does that impact things? And you know, how important are those ranking points through USTA? And now with UTR on the scene, how do we balance, you know, a UTR rating with a USTA ranking? And where does tennis recruiting come into all of this? And how much focus should be on, you know, these ratings and rankings that, you know, when when I was growing up, you got your ranking at the end of the year. That You saw it once right. a year. That was right. it. Now, you right. know, as soon as a tournament's over, you go online and, and see how your ranking's been impacted and your UTR right. and your TRN, you know, everything. So, right. I mean, I, let's talk about that a little bit and what your role is in working with not just the parents, but also the junior coach in figuring all of this out because in my experience, and then I'll shut up in my experience, many, many, many junior coaches really have no clue how the junior competition structure works. Yeah. 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 This, yeah. This I is would. Tim. Um, so yeah. yeah, I mean, that, that's one of the reasons why we think the work we're doing is important because it, it is confusing and, you know, you've got universal tennis rating, which has really accelerated the last couple of years. You've got the, the tennis recruiting rankings. You've got the USTA rankings. And, and just in the past in advising, you know, families on the college recruiting process, yeah, there's very little knowledge of kind of, okay, which of these is important and, 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 and how, do I, how do I navigate this? You know, you, you, you can't ignore, 
you know, USTA ranking and, and playing all these tournaments that allow you to get the, the ranking to get into certain tournaments that you need to play. You know, however, when you get to the college recruiting uh, side of this, that, you know, coaches really don't care at all what your USTA ranking is. They want to know what your universal tennis rating is and, and also your tennis recruiting ranking. So it can be quite confusing and, and you know, the, uh, not easy to figure out and maybe some misinformation about what's important and what isn't. And then you sort of get into, oh, there's ITF events and you, you'll have, you, you know, families telling other families that, well, if you want to play at the collegiate level, you have to be, you know, playing ITF events. And, you know, so there's a lot of misinformation, you know, and that, that kind of advice obviously, obviously gets very expensive when you're, you're now traveling internationally. So, so that's, you know, part of what we do is to try to simplify things and say what really is important here and, and you know, based on what your goals are, um, what events should you be playing and, you know, what, which ones aren't as important. And it changes. I mean, that's part of the confusion as well is USTA changes its junior competition structure every few years. Um, now the ITF with the new transition tour has totally changed, you know, what is going to happen after junior tennis for a lot of players, whether they go to college or whether they go right out onto the pro tour and try and earn those elusive points so that they can make the leaps on the pro side of things. I mean, it's just, it's crazy confusing. Yeah. Yeah. This is Jeff. Yeah. It, it, it's so complicated and it's complicated for us. You know, even going back to your point, Lisa, about, well, if I go to this section or if I move, you know, what happens? You wouldn't believe my desk where before we started this company, we did do our due diligence and I have got, more information on every section that you would think we would have a common language and universal <laughs> approach to things, and yeah. we don't. No. And uh, hopefully that will will change. I understand there's you know shooting for an alignment in 2020. Whether that happens, we'll see. Um, but it is, you know, and it's even difficult for us. You know, we are on this daily and um, trying to stay ahead of the curve on this, but. You know, even at the top, as you know, Lisa, the ITF and USTA and UTR, they're all, you know, they're all battling uh, for space and change and uh, what's the best way to do this. And I think a lot of us down here on the ground, you know, are, uh, you know, having to just, you know, be as educated as we can, because I'm not really sure where a lot of that's really going to end up. Right. Um, but I think if, if a coach is a process-driven coach in knowing that, you know, listen, we're, we're just, we're going to work on the process of development as an athlete, as a player in competition as part of this. It's a much healthier way to do it as opposed to just what we're finding is people are just playing tournaments randomly and they think the more they play, the, the better they're going to get, which is, we all know is not true. And, you know, one of the things that we, we do do, we do not recommend a program or a coach or anything like that, but we do give parent, give the parents resources if they're going to interview a program or a coach. We give them a, a series of questions to ask that we feel will help identify the elements of what we would consider a, you know, a good coach uh, or a coach that they may want to consider. Um, you know, to mentor their child and, uh, and, uh, you know, take them on their journey. So mm -hmm. it so, is complicated and it's not getting easier. No, no. So <laughs> David, as, as 
I'm sure you are gleaning from my questions. Um, there's a lot of anxiety around all of this on the parent side because parents are spending ungodly amounts of money, not to mention time, helping their children reach their highest potential in the sport. And you know, I, I am not well-versed in sports outside of tennis, so I don't know if this exists in other youth sports. I'm sure it does. How can you help the parents manage that anxiety over the time and money element of this tennis thing? Mm -hmm. Well, and the the answer that I give people, um, you know, probably doesn't sit real well with the uh, coaches and administrators of any given sport. But here's the answer I give. Sport is a gift that we give to our children not an investment we make. It is not the stock market. It's a gift we give because we want them to have a certain experience in their youthful years of finding out the benefits of sport. Sport in general has proven to be uh, one of the single biggest factors in teaching kids uh, what psychologists today call grit. We used to call it perseverance, but grit is easier to spell. So I prefer grit over perseverance. <laughs> but anyway, it, it, one of the greatest indicators of success in life, because life to me is more important than any one particular chapter of life, sport being a chapter in life, um, one of the best indicators of success is this thing called grit. How well do you persevere through adversity and obstacles? Uh, the other one is uh, uh, self-discipline. And the third one would be personal responsibility. So we as parents should be, you know, having our eye on that, sport being a vehicle to help teach those things. Now, if you're giving a gift, like at Christmas time, and you're looking at a couple different gifts, if you can't afford the gift, choose a less expensive gift. There are certain sports that are extremely expensive. Figure skating is one. Um, gymnastics can be very expensive. And tennis, as you said, can be very expensive. As a parent, you've got to look at your responsibility to the whole family unit. And our financial part of that, you know, what's good for our family financially, you cannot... Um, overspend in any one area of life and still have your family be successful. You can sacrifice certain things on behalf of your children, but there comes a point where you have to be wise. And so I think that also teaches our children a valuable lesson. It teaches them about, you know, tough choices that have to be made. So we have to have families in sports that they can afford, and then they still have to make prudent decisions about, you know, what rackets do I buy? What tournaments do we go to? How much travel do we do? And we're teaching our kids valuable lessons about good stewardship. And that's the end goal is for them to be responsible, self-disciplined, gritty uh, adults as a result of their sport experience. Does that make sense to you? Is that, you know, I, I just think that that's the big picture here. No, I think it makes total sense. The problem is, that we parents are our own worst enemies when it comes to things like that, because we take our child to a tournament or to a camp and we start talking to the other parents who are there 
And they start asking, well, have you done this? Have you done that? Have you met with this type of expert? And has your child gone through this evaluation? And, you know, have you tried this new latest piece of equipment? And all of a sudden, even the most rational among us starts questioning whether or not we're doing everything possible to help our child. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. we start, then the guilt starts. <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, <laughs> right. then, I mean, so I think that that is one of the things that, that parents need help in is managing all of those outside influences that make us question our actions. And maybe we start off with the best of intentions. You know, we know our family financial situation. We know that, you know, we have three kids, but only two parents. And so we've got to figure out logistics and we know all of these things. And yet somehow we still wind up choosing to do things that make no sense. And I mean, it's, it's funny. I I fielded a phone call a couple weeks ago from a mom who was freaking out because everybody's telling her her child needs to be playing national tournaments. And she said, you know, first of all, I don't want to be traveling every weekend to junior tennis tournaments. My kid's 11 years old. I want him to do other things. Second of all, I've got other kids at home that I've got to deal with who could care less about tennis and have other interests that I need to cater to. And how, you know, what am I doing here? Am I dooming my child to being mediocre instead of being able to really thrive in the sport? And, and I mean, it was such a, an interesting conversation from my perspective now being on the back end of this whole journey and being able to reflect and share with her the bad decisions that I made and why they were bad decisions and why she needed to avoid them. <laughs> so. Yeah, Lisa, this is, this is Tim. Um, so I mean, I think an important word that, that we talk about is just a, a sensible approach uh, to, to all of this. And just in the financial side of it, we feel like, you know, when families may hire us at, at some expense to do that, that in some ways, you know, we may end up saving them money uh, because, you know, we're, we're going to have a sensible approach. We're going to know what's important and what isn't. And so they don't go off spending on things because another you know, parent told them it was important when, in fact, it wasn't important at all. Uh, so, you know, being efficient with, you know, their funds and doing the things um, you know, that just are really, are really sensible um, and, that's, and not that's a really unnecessary. Good, that's a really good point, Jeff, is that, you know, I pray for wisdom every day because I keep doing dumb things. But um, w- w- when we give people advice, it's to help them make really good, sensible choices and not be whimsical because of the uh, things they hear in the stands or the pressure they feel from other parents. That, that's exactly right. Yeah, well, that's that's the goal of cross-court consulting. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and Lisa, we we may not have too much time left, but but just a a quick anecdote and just why I think this is important. Um, You know, as I said, I have two kids that are playing, and my uh, my older one, who's now eleven, you know, I took him to a you know a tournament, and it was one of his first tournaments, um, and he was nine, and it was a around Robin and it was, you know, just the, the two of us. And he went and he, he won his round Robin group and it was like amazing. And so we're, we're, we get in the car and we're, we're driving home and he's in the back seat and he says, uh, he says that I, I, I got this, 
I've got this weird feeling. And I was like, oh, God, is he, is he getting sick? Is he coming down with something? And I said, well, what, what is it? He's like, I, it's just a feeling of pure joy. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, just to have that, that moment. Oh, I just got chills. Says, you know, oh, yeah, my gosh. Yeah, something like that where that's, that's priceless. It's like that's why, you know, the, the kids are playing the sport to experience those moments where they just feel like, okay, I put in a lot of work. I've practiced hard, and now I'm playing tournaments. And, it's, and for him, it was, you know, hey, this is – I'm not sure I want to be doing this. This is a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. And just the feeling he had from, you know, achieving that, you know, that his first trophy and, and driving home and just, you know – uh, my my body feels funny. It's pure joy. I'm like, oh my god, that's an amazing moment. That is well, an amazing cool. moment. But <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, we are running toward the end of our hour together. So before we wind up here, I do want to give you guys a chance to talk a little bit about how parents can find you and um, maybe a little of the practical information of cross court consulting. Um, you know, maybe give a brief overview of the packages that you offer and how somebody makes that initial contact with you. Jeff, go ahead. Sure. Uh, this, yeah, this is Jeff. Um, well, the, there's, the best way to reach us is actually through our website, which is crosscourtconsulting.com. Uh, there's a form on there that they can uh, submit with information and we can follow up with them. Usually what happens from there, Lisa, is when we make contact, we, we offer a complimentary, you know, 20, 30 minute conversation to just get to know them and, and their child and really why they're contacting us and, and their goals and see if we're actually a good fit. Can, you know, can we do what they're looking to do? Um, we have multiple packages. We, we start at a real elementary level for kind of that tenant under space, if you will. And honestly, the, my whole career has been in the, the high performance end of this, but I'm having a blast at this tenant under stuff because this is where, you know, they don't really know what's going on and where I know we can have a huge impact on the players going forward. So we have an introduction package that really just walks them through everything from the system, how to even enter a tournament. What does all the language mean? Um, why are there different draws for the same tournament? If I go to a tournament, why is this one playing three matches and this one's playing four matches? Or why, you know, why are there three different draws at this, this same event? And, you know, things to look forward to, you know, as they navigate the process, things to be aware of in, in, in signs, positive and negative signs to look for in their child and what they can do. So we started that really that most elementary level because we, we're finding a lot of these parents, you know, either haven't played tennis or it's their first foray into it. And how the heck are they going to know where to get all this information and find this? So we try and be that resource and provide as many tools as we can. And uh, the packages go up from there to, you know, you, listen, if I'm playing national tournaments, I'm looking to, to head towards the college space or I want to break through to that that uh, national, international level. You know, we have packages that address all of those elements. In any case, every package uh, includes the coach uh, in this process. So we are not the coach. We are just really trying to help organize and, like I said, to kind of extend the runway for everybody uh, to have a successful career in uh, in this junior space. 
Fantastic. We will have a link to crosscourtconsulting.com in the show notes. So for my listeners, I encourage you to check those out on parentingaces.com and you'll just be able to click right over and, and get all the information you need. And we'll also provide links to David's Growing Champions for Life site and Tim's Donovan Tennis Strategy site for those of you looking for that information as well. And are there any last words, gentlemen, that you'd like to share with the audience? Now, for me, Tim, just to, to say thank you, Lisa, for all your work. It, it, it's really important. And, and again, with my kids still being young, I see it more, more than ever and, and just more of a, a need for, uh, for what all, all of us are doing here to really help our, our kids to uh, you know, really uh, learn and enjoy things through, uh, through sports. Yeah, this is David, and, and you know one of the things that we always want to foster in kids is what is their dream, and what what do they dream of? And regardless of the circumstances, can we as adults facilitate uh, kids reaching their dreams? Uh, and yes, there will be obstacles along the way. Some of them are are physical, some are financial, some are logistical. Like I said, I I grew up in Minneapolis, and I was obviously in the wrong place for the sport that chose me. So there's always a way for adults to help kids uh, reach their dreams uh, if they are motivated to do it. And we want to be the helpers for that. Great. And Jeff? Lisa, thank you for what you do. Um, I think, you know, this this uh, forum is a great opportunity for this exchange of ideas and to um, get information out to parents that there are ways to to do this right and to do this well and uh, to be enjoyable for everybody. So so thank you for this opportunity and, and for what you do. Well, I, my pleasure. And thank you three for taking time out of your crazy schedules to come chat with us. I look forward to keeping an eye on cross-court consulting and seeing how it develops over the coming months. And again, I want to encourage my listeners to please check out the show notes on parentingaces.com so you'll have all the information you need not only on cross-court consulting, but also on Jeff, David, and Tim in their lives around that. And uh, just thanks so much, you guys, for, for sharing this and for coming together to pool resources to give parents, you know, one more place to go to get quality information as they take their children on this journey. Thanks again, Lisa. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you. And to my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll share the podcast with your tennis community. For all the information you need to navigate the junior and college tennis journey, be sure to check out ParentingAces.com.